Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Thursday, February 4th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. We'll talk about Super Bowl 55 side total money line. We'll give you some prop betting strategies as everybody's kind of formulating a plan for those. We'll give you some prop picks here on today's edition of ATS Radio as well. Then we'll transition over to the college basketball side for a few minutes. Talk about some angles that Brad's found regarding long layoffs for teams. Give you some picks for Thursday night's action and then finish things up here for this show. Over at ATS.io, lots of Super Bowl content for you to check out. I've got plenty of prop stuff over there for you. Game props, Kansas City Chiefs team and player props, and then Tampa Bay team and player props. Going to do some cross sports stuff and some novelty stuff here Thursday afternoon into Friday morning over at the website. So make sure you check that out. Also, lots of sportsbook promotions being posted from the different legal U.S. sportsbooks. You check that out in that sportsbook promotion section over at ATS.io. I know the big game is the big focus here, but still doing college basketball, still doing the NHL, still doing the NBA, working hard on my 2021 MLB betting guide. So lots and lots of content that's not NFL related over at the website for you to check out as well. With that, we bring on today's guest that is professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. And Brad, how's it going today, man? Man, it's going well. How are you doing? I'm doing well, buddy. Appreciate your time as always here, sir. And uh, look, it's it's almost finally game time. You know, the Super Bowl, we know the line before the you know late game of the conference championship game is even over with. We have an idea of what's going to happen with the total and with the props and all of that. And then it's just two weeks. I'm just belaboring and beating up this game from every possible angle. At this point, I'm just excited for it to get going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then you're preaching the choir there. Uh, obviously, certainly the side in total uh, get probably overanalyzed. Not probably, absolutely gets overanalyzed and whatnot. I, I guess the, you know. Thankfully, we have 500 plus props to talk about. Otherwise, it would get pretty monotonous. Well, of course, as we know, I mean, you know, now you've got effectively half of the states or so in the U.S. I think we're up to 22 or 23 now that have legal sports betting. And we've seen this, all the media partnerships, the agreements, you know, all that kind of thing. Now it's not even just talking about the game, but it's also talking about the betting of the game. And there's a lot of misinformation out there. A lot of people in the mainstream media that just don't really know the betting side of things, aren't really sure what they're talking about, but yet they're up there with their platforms talking about props (laughs) and all these kinds of things. So it's critically important for listeners. And I'm not saying that we're right all the time. And I'm not saying that any other show is right all the time or wrong all the time, but now it's not even just overload with the game. It's overload with the betting coverage of the game. So make sure that, you know, if you're listening to this, you're watching this, make sure that you've got a plan in place so that you're not overwhelmed with all the prop bets that are out there, overexposing yourself on one side or the other, something like that. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the mainstream media tends to focus on the outrageous props that, you know, aren't even available at at most books stateside. It's all, they they have no clue whatsoever that they're talking about offshore markets where you can get down maybe 50 bucks max on a prop, but it sounds fun. You can talk about that uh, because, you know, I guess that's what people want to hear, but reality, if you want to make money on the game, you want to get down on some of these props. A lot of those exotic props aren't even available. Available here in the United States. 
Yeah, that's a great point. And again, you know, I mean, we'll talk more about prop strategies here in a couple of minutes, but the bigger the plus price, the less likely it is to happen. And generally (laughs) speaking, those things are not priced as true odds and not anywhere close. So, you know, if you're going to make some fun money bets, make sure you keep it like that. But if you want to make some real money on the Super Bowl, you know, look at yes, no type stuff. Look at over under type stuff. Anything that has multiple options to it, that's much more difficult to win. Something like the, you know, first touchdown market or, you know, exact results or something like that. Those things are very hard to hit. And we will talk a little bit more about those here in a few minutes time. But, right, let's go ahead and take a look at the side and total here for the Super Bowl. Of course, it is the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers, the first true home team in a Super Bowl. This line is still three with extra juice. Kind of seeing a little bit of Tampa Bay money coming in to a degree where some of the minus 120s down to minus 15, down to minus 13, something like that. Total on the game coming down as well to 55 and a half. And that's where I want to start for this game with you today, Brad. What do you make of the total coming down a little bit here? Uh, I think some of it's the weather forecast supposed to be, you know, 70 plus percent chance of rain, at least at the, you know, during the day. Uh, from what I've read is it's going to taper off during the game. It might be good even by kickoff, but uh, I would, I think that's part of the move there. I, I, I would obviously sharper move there. No, number one, who's betting the Super Bowl right now. I still think it's more sharper betters are, are betting totals. You, you'll get more of your public action on Super Bowl weekend. So it's a sharper move, but I think specifically the reason why it's moved to half point uh, you know, three quarters of a point here in the last 24 hours is as we get closer to game time, you can have a more reliable weather forecast. And right now it's a little dicey as far as, you know, maybe a little bit of rain. Well, and if you look at some of the resources that are out there and kind of just, you know, understand that this is the Super Bowl with Mahomes and Brady, the two respective quarterbacks, the volume of the bets is on the over. So as you said, with that total coming down a little bit, would imply that it is some sharp money here on the under at this point in time. And I guess the follow-up question would be, you know, as somebody who gets a lot of closing line value has very good market entry, why are they firing now? Why not wait until you get that avalanche of public money here over the weekend to drive this total, maybe back to 56 and a half, possibly touch a 57 at some of the books that are out there. Why now? Why, why do you think that they're, you know, going and taking the under here this early in the process? It's a really good question. Uh, I don't have a direct answer. I know last year uh, the under took a you know quite a bit of money, uh, not during you know the, the the week of the game, and then also on the weekend. Uh, and I expected the number to climb back up, and it just never happened last year with the Kansas City San Francisco game. I I don't have a a, a direct answer to that. I think you bring up a, a reasonable question. Uh, because I mean, the Super Bowl is one where you know the public sentiment can can you know override the, the sharper betters. We we usually don't get that in any other you know situation where I mean the sharper the money, the bigger money, uh, the bigger bets can usually uh, not usually but mostly outweigh the the, the public betting. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. What, what's your theory behind it? Well, see that that's kind of and maybe this is the cynic in me being a lifetime Cleveland sports fan. You know, just sort of kind of not really believing things are what they seem sometimes. Part of me wonders if this is something of a move to kind of drive this total down a little bit and then get out in front of the over before that weekend public money comes in. Because 
you do have this this idea where the weather forecast could be bad. There could be rain. I know there's wind expected during the day. Maybe that does kind of taper off. So yeah, I guess it makes sense to kind of protect yourself a little bit against the weather. But at the same time, I've also seen a lot of people that believe this is a very high scoring game. A lot of intelligent people believe that these two teams go up and down the field. One of the props I talked about earlier on in the week, will both teams score three or more touchdowns? Yes. At plus plus one fifteen. I like that. I do think that there are a good number of points in this game because you've got two offenses that are very hard to stop. So it makes me wonder, is this a true position? Is this kind of a head fake? Is this some market manipulation when really, when you think about it, I mean, up until we started seeing some of this under money come in, I mean, this line hadn't moved since last Monday. No, that's what makes it intrigued. I mean, that's the only reason I can really explain it is, you know, get in front of what could be uh, dicey weather forecasts. That's the only thing I can come up with right now. Yeah. And again, too, I mean, you know, you, you think about some of the prop numbers that are out there, the, the passing totals for the quarterbacks, the pass attempts for both quarterbacks are up in the all 40s, stream over, you know, so that's something where if there's going to be a lot of throwing in this game, you got to expect some points. So yeah. You know, I don't know. I guess I'm curious to see. I think 55 and a half is the low point. I do not think this total goes lower than that. I would be shocked if it does. But again, I'm sort of anticipating some movement back up on the over here. And as you said, maybe it's a weather forecast thing. Um, you know, obviously we got a pretty interesting, not scare, but a pretty interesting bit of news about the Chiefs, you know, and the fact that they could have had a lot of players, you know, on, on the COVID protocols list. Uh, if they hadn't stopped that barber who had tested positive five straight days in a row. Uh, it's just, it's crazy. That's the kind of world that we live in now, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see when this total goes back up because I think it's pretty definite that it's going to, what about the side, you know, three with extra juice. As I said, some places down below minus 120, some places down around minus 15 minus 13, something like that. What do you make of, of the side here? I mean, are, are we going to sit three with juice, you know, throughout kickoff, or are we going to go to three and a half? What, what are you thinking here? I don't think it goes three and a half. I mean, I, th- there's too much. I think there's too much sentiment here where, you know, obviously three is the most key number in all of football, not breaking news there. Uh, I, th- th- there'll be too much want to bet Tampa Bay at three and a half at this point. I, I'd be, you know, I'm not saying that, that a book or two might not go that way. Maybe they get overexposed a little too much on Kansas City. Uh, but I just, it's not going to be painted market wide, uh, three and a half. I think three with a little bit of extra juice on Kansas City sounds about right to me. But I'll say it with a caveat. And again, this is why I like following line moves, not necessarily for that, those specific, uh, you know, that particular week's game, but we have seen some bigger, sharper money show on Tampa Bay each of the last two games with numbers right around key numbers there on the road against the Saints and on the road against the Packers where clear money showed up on the weekend on Tampa Bay around a key number and a lot of big money. So that if it does move, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's the Tampa Bay direction. I mean, we're not coming off a three, but maybe you get, you know, less juice on Kansas City. I'm, I, I, I can't say that for sure, but it is something to keep note of. And keep in mind, money came in against Kansas City in the Cleveland game and also the Buffalo game. Well, that's what I was going to ask you is, are we sure? And I know that early betting action yeah. has kind of suggested that. But are we sure that Kansas City is the clear public side in this game? Uh, 
no, we're not. <laughs> and again, this doesn't make for great radio, but uh, I, I can't say that with 100% confidence that that, that will be – because, again, the public – I mean, you can look at betting percentages and whatnot at all the different sites right now, but the reality is 80, 80, not, 80% of the handle is going to come on the weekend, 80 to 90% of the handle. So, yeah, you can't say that with extreme confidence. Right. Now, I mean, look, I do think a lot of public players that like Tampa Bay – we'll go ahead and take the money line. And we talked about that last yep. week where usually you get a depressed underdog money line, you know, where you're not going to get the value you would normally get in you know a regular season game. It's the Super Bowl. People want to bet a little to win a lot. So you get a lot of this Tampa Bay money line money in this game. You get a lot of underdog money on the money line in a game. You typically wind up with people laying the spread with the favorite, betting the money line on the underdog not doing both of those things, but if you like one side over the other, that's typically how it kind of winds up going. So that's sort of what I'm curious about here is, you know, as this three gets a little bit lower from a juice standpoint, it's also going to impact the money line price. What will also impact the money line price is people betting on the Tampa Bay money line. So like you said, you know, we've got two weeks of this game and there is a lot of dead time for this line where sharp money, you know, went out and grabbed some numbers early on. Then it sits around for a week or more. Then it starts to perk up a little bit. And like you said, 80, 85, maybe even 90% of the handle nationwide and globally at the offshore books will come in on Saturday and Sunday. So we still have a lot of time left for this line to marinate before we have an exact idea of where it's going. But I do think it's really fascinating because this is such a scrutinized line in this new legal U.S. sports betting environment where you've got, you know, the influence of the networks playing into the narratives about this game. And you sort of wonder, you know, what will people align with? What will people recognize about this game and then go out there and, you know, actively bet on it because they can do that now? So, there's just so much left to go with this line, even though it feels like the game is closer. I think from a betting standpoint, from an action standpoint, now is pretty much when the Super Bowl actually begins. Oh yeah, uh, I and it's I think it's easier to to, to maybe you know anticipate moves when it's not on the key number and <laughs> all the football. I mean, if it was sitting at a dead number of five, then we, I think it'd be easier, obviously, to anticipate where is it going to go because, I mean, it's it's most likely not going to sit on a number like five. So, uh, yeah, I it, it's tough for me to a- anticipate coming off this number because I, I would be certainly in a position where, you know, if I got just regular juice on Tampa Bay plus three and a half, I'd probably take that position. And if I was getting, you know, minus two and a half, even paying a little bit extra juice, I, I would take that position with the Chiefs. So we'll move over to the prop bets here in a second, but I got to ask you, man, Brad Powers, minus three, plus three, over, under, money line. What are you looking to play here uh, on the basics for the Super Bowl? <laughs> and we're just talking basics. I mean, first half under is probably my favorite. I know that's getting a little bit uh, of into the derivative, but if we're just going on the pure basics, I, I'll lean with Kansas City minus three. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I talked about it already. I took Kansas City minus three, minus 15 early in the process last week. Haven't backed off of that. Now I'm just worried about putting together my prop portfolio because, look, I mean, I grabbed a position on the Chiefs because I like them in the game, but you know this as well as I do, and, and I imagine a lot of listeners know this by now as well. If you think there's some great big edge on the side or total for the Super Bowl, <laughs> you are dead wrong. I mean, th- this is about as sharp of a number as it gets. 
And furthermore, to that end, the books put out three and a half and, and 57. They got Tampa Bay money. They got under money. They knew exactly what the peak of the market was. This number settled in very, very quickly. They've had no reason to move it. I mean, it's a perfect number for them. At least for now. I mean, we'll, yeah, we'll see what true. ends up happening, you know, once the majority of the money. But, yeah, I, if we're just talking, and keep in mind, the people that have already bet are guys like you and me and obviously even more sophisticated guys that, that have even deeper pockets. I mean, that, that's why the number looks about right to me because any guy that has a little bit of a, a basic clue about it uh, has already been in the, in the market. The, the weight now is, you know, what does the public have to say? Right, and and when the public has its say – is there influential money that comes back in, you know, right before kickoff and, you know, kind of puts the game into a certain spot where, you know, you're going to have public action. And like you talked about here, Brad, it's one of those things where the public can and will shape a number like this. But once that happens, you know, there will be sharp money that goes, ah, I finally reached my buy point on that, whether it's yep. a money line or you know, specifically probably the Kansas City money line. You may find a buy point for that on Sunday right before kickoff. So that is an important thing where the public can push this number around on Sunday. And maybe there are some sharp influential betters out there that have those buy points in mind. And then they're going to go ahead and play those, you know, right before kickoff. If what they want shows up. You do see that from time. And that's kind of where I'm at now. I mean, well, let's see what the public has to say about it. Uh, and then I, I'll be looking to take a position. But, I mean, the positions to take in the Super Bowl, and I know we're going to get to it. Uh, I mean, if you really want to make some money, there's more than 500 ways you can attack the Super Bowl outside of side and total if you really want to get after it. Well, that's a perfect segue into talking about the props here. And, I mean, look, I know that there are some places globally, some places in the offshore markets that, you know, they're advertising over a 1,000 props on the Super That's Bowl. Crazy. And and that includes, you know, halftime and pregame and broadcast stuff, the novelty prop stuff that, you know, is getting more and more popular out there. But that also includes, you know, player props for just about everybody under the sun. Um, you know, I know at a place like Circa, for example, they listed just about everybody for the MVP for first touchdown, stuff like that. So, you know, you've got a lot of different ways to attack this, as you said. And, and last week we scratched the surface a little bit on some prop betting strategies and, you know, kind of just some general things before we had, you know, an extensive catalog of props for this specific game. So now that we've got everything out for this specific game in general, what is, what is sort of your approach? You know, I know you said you've got a small lean towards Kansas city. Do you like some of their player prop stuff over, or do you like Tampa Bay player prop stuff over expecting them to be trailing in the second Mm. half? You know, how are you sort of organizing your thought process in that regard? That, that is a good point that you make there. And I have taken that position since I have a lean on Kansas City. Uh, and a lot of it goes back to, you know, how they attacked Tampa Bay in the earlier matchup. Uh, I, you know, I, I made some early prop bets, you know, with that in mind, going back to, to what we saw from these last two, you know, these two teams last time they played just a few months ago. Uh, and, and a couple of things that I attacked, number one was, longest completion for Patrick Mahomes over 39 and a half yards. I, I watched Tyree kill multiple times, get behind the Tampa Bay defense. Now, do they make that adjustment? That's fine. Uh, you know, I, I got a heart, you know, Miko Hardman, maybe Sammy Watkins plays Travis Kelsey can get open. That, that That's fine. I, I, I know that sounds like a very public basic bet, but you know, I, I used the, the template to sort of say, 
what did I see when these last two teams played? And I thought that was a, a relatively easy one. I don't want to, you know, chalk it up as an easy winner already, but th- that's one where I took an early position was over Kansas, over the, you know, longest completion by Patrick Mahomes, 39 and a half yards. It's interesting. You mentioned Nicole Hardman because that's one that I've kind of talked about. And, and I wrote about this one uh, in my article over at ATS.io and also mentioned on yesterday's show, I like Nicole Hardman under, 27 and a half, 28 and a half receiving yards. Again, shop around for the best prices. That's very important. We'll harp on that point here throughout this prop segment. Hardman is a guy that I'm not really expecting to be a big part of the offense here. Maybe he gets a carry on a jet sweep, something like that. But with Sammy Watkins expected to be back, Demarcus Robinson should clear COVID protocol. Uh, You know, I, I do think that Mahomes has other options that he's going to look at. But, you know, in that same breath, Uh, sort of talking about more on the strategy element side, that's what I love to do. I want to get in the minds of the coordinators and sort of figure out where do they think they're going to have an edge? What do they think will be a matchup that works out really well for them? And a guy like Hardman, for example, it's not like he was targeted a ton in the regular season relative to some of the other guys. So I just don't think he's a good enough route runner in a game like this to where Biennemi and Mahomes are going to trust him. I think they go in a different direction. So those are the things that you want to look at from a prop standpoint. And like you said, you know, I think that if you're Kansas City, you want to take some deep shots early to Tyreek Hill. And maybe those are there, maybe they're not. But remember, what do we know about Kansas City? What has Kansas City done a lot of times this season? What did they do in the playoff game last week? What did they do in the Super Bowl last year? They started slow yeah so to me if i'm the enemy i tell mahomes you know what if we find out that we've got time to take some deep shots here if tampa bay is sitting back in cover two tampa two whatever and we're not getting we're not getting blitzed we're taking shots early in this game and you may cash that one right away in the first quarter and it wouldn't yeah. surprise me at all so I kind of did a little bit, uh, and this is why I like to, you know, as far as my portfolio to balance it out a little bit. I think generally speaking, what you just mentioned from what we've seen in the past, Brady starting off slow and all the Super Bowls, I'll be with another team with the Patriots and Kansas City starting off slow. I did bet, will there be a, a score in the first five minutes? I know minus 110. I think it's like up to minus like 150 now. Uh, so from what I've seen, I bet that also, but you know, I, I don't see myself losing both of those bets, sort of say it, it, it's either Kansas city can hit a deep shot uh, early and maybe I, I lose one right off the bat. Although I think that there's uh, you know, if we want to get real specific, I think there's a, um, like a 55% chance that Tampa Bay is actually the team that gets the ball first and not, not to get in too specific, but uh, yeah, I, I, I did a little bit of protection on, on that one. Uh, my original, my favorite early bet was no for score first five minutes. And then I was starting to think, I, I started thinking the other way, like you were, I was like, you know what? Everyone's going to want to think it's going to start off slow. Maybe Kansas city takes a shot early. And, and that's where I, I came in with the longest completion over. Well, and obviously I mean, it's something that could happen in any one of the four quarters. You know I mean? This is a very explosive chiefs yeah. offense with great skill position talent. It might even be like a screen pass to Edward Hilaire or something like that that winds up getting Mahomes over that number. I think it's a good bet because, you know, at some point I would expect Kansas City to wind up with a big play. That's an interesting point you mentioned about Brady. And the funny thing is, I don't think that angle's getting as much run 
because he's with a different team. And maybe we haven't really thought too much about that, but it was what five or six straight Super Bowls that Brady was scoreless in the first quarter. Yep. And, and, then and, I think and, and let's keep in mind, Brady's coming off a game where he just threw three interceptions. Is he going to, you know, I'm not, I'm trying to get into his head. I mean, he's going to come out in his mind wanting to fire a bunch. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, but I, you know, coming off a game where, especially in the second half where he threw a bunch of picks, I, I would think that he's a little conservative. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and I mean, we know that Byron Leftwich is, is very conservative. I mean, that's been a, a big talking point in a lot of gambling circles here is that Leftwich is very predictable, you know, run, run, pass run, pass, pass, something like that. A lot of first down runs from Tampa Bay. And those are things that put you behind the chains. And and we saw it in the game against Green Bay where they just happened to be, what, seven for seven at one point on third down. And you were able to kind of build up that lead that eventually they were able to hold on to in order to advance to this game. But I think that's a big part of it too, is, you know, will we see Leftwich kind of flip the script, do something different? If he does, well, you know, is that something you accounted for in your prop betting strategies and in your prop betting portfolio? That's a big question here. I think it's a great unknown for this game, maybe more of a live betting angle than anything else. But I think those are really important things to try and key in on. Speaking of Tom Brady, I will say that one of the prop bets I wrote about in my Tampa Bay Buccaneers team and player props piece over at ATS.io is Tom Brady to win the MVP. No, I don't think it happens, but. If the Buccaneers win this game, Tom Brady's probably the MVP, right? I mean, 14 of of the last 18 offensive players to win the MVP have been quarterbacks. 30 of the 54 to win the MVP have been quarterbacks. And you've got a very obvious story and easy story here. Yeah. Because when you think about MVP voting, it's 80%, you know, beat writers and reporters, 20% fans. When Tom Brady wins the MVP, for his new team in his first year wins, what is it, his seventh Super Bowl or whatever? Like, that story writes itself. It's very easy to do. So even if Mike Evans has a big game or Chris Godwin or or somebody like that, it's going to be Brady throwing them the ball. And much like what we saw last year with Patrick Mahomes, where I think Damian Williams should have been the MVP, but a running back hasn't won it since 1998, Super Bowl 32. So Mahomes won it when maybe he didn't deserve it. It just speaks to how likely this award is to go to a quarterback and when it's Tom Brady with the story that he has, unless he plays an awful game and Tampa Bay wins with defense with a pick six or a strip six or something like that, Brady wins this thing. So to me, in my mind, I can get Brady at plus 210 to win the MVP instead of Tampa Bay at plus 145, plus 150, something like that to win the game. You're getting more equity there when if the Buccaneers win, I mean, the chances that Brady's the MVP are very, very high. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely they are. And to get an extra 60 cents on the dollar there uh, is, it makes a hell of a lot of sense where, you know, and it also works on the other side. I mean, instead of wanting to lay, you know, a, a little bit on the money line in Kansas City, paint the picture where Mahomes isn't winning it. You, you mentioned last year, you didn't have that great of a game until what the last 10 minutes or so, and still was able to win it. So uh, 
yeah, I, 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 I agree with that theory out there uh, that, that it might be easier just to, to get down on who, who's going to win the MVP. Obviously, you, you got the chance that you know something fluky happens, uh, and then you know Tyree Kill did have a, a monster game in the first one, but again, Patrick Mahomes is still throwing the, the, those yards. Uh, I, I think that's very sharp. That that's not probably getting enough run in the market. Uh, I think it's, you know, and that's the cool thing too, is there are alternate ways to kind of bet some things on the game using props as the vessel to do it. And and that's one of them, you know, I mean, look, I think quarterback to win the MVP was like minus 300 at, at points bet or at William Hill, one of the two, like to me, the chances of a quarterback winning MVP are much, much higher than minus 300, much, much higher. And that's one of those where you have- explain that. maybe I'm dumb, but why wouldn't you just bet both quarterbacks? and not lose three units. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess that's fair. Because Mahomes is basically right around even money, maybe a little bit, uh, minus you know 110 or whatever it is. And then, uh, obviously, Brady's plus money. Why, why wouldn't you just bet on both quarterbacks instead of laying the 300? Yeah, you could do that. But, you know, and, and that's the thing that the props afford you the opportunity to do a lot of those different things and attack this game in a variety of different ways. But, you know, I mean, look, everybody... Like, that's the thing. People are going to set money on fire, you know, making MVP bets for, you know, okay, fine. Maybe Tyreek Hill wins it, right? But what are the chances that Tyreek Hill goes off for a big enough stat line to overshadow Mahomes, doesn't share a lot of the yardage or the touchdowns with Travis Kelsey or somebody else? You know, like, it's great to have this idea in your head that, oh, I'm going to win this plus 800 bet. You're probably not. You know, you're, you're just, it, it's just, it's not a plus EV bet in my opinion. And maybe it happens. I mean, we've seen wide receivers do it at least over the last two years. I mean, two years ago or three years ago, Julian Edelman won it. You know, wide receivers can and have won it. But the problem with betting a wide receiver is that the guy throwing it to him has a much better chance of winning it than he does. Yep. So, and again, even though Hill had an historic game in, in, in the first one, especially the first quarter, Again, I think people are going to look at the 400-plus yards overall for, for Mahomes. So I, I love that you're handicapping a, a story with the MVP. And to me, the best story, obviously, would be Tom Brady. So I to, to get a lot more uh, bang for your buck as far as if Tampa Bay wins, Brady's, you know, I would say 90-plus percent chance that he's going to win the MVP. Uh, I think it makes a hell of a lot of sense. I like betting storylines type of things than necessarily exactly how the game is going to play out. I think it's easier to project, you know, the human element, the human mentality, uh, than it is the actual outcome in a lot of ways. Speaking of the human element, before we started recording here, there was a prop that you talked about with regards to the officiating for this game, and it falls in line with one that Kyle Hunter had on Monday as well. So I always like to crowdsource opinions here on the show, but it's also nice when two people whose opinions I greatly respect wind up being on the same side of a prop. It is a good segue, human element. And I, you know, my favorite prop bet, I mean, uh, regardless if it's player prop, game prop, you name it, uh, MVP, all that is I'm betting under the total penalties accepted in, in the Super Bowl. And I'm going under 10 and a half here. Uh, and the human element is this. I mean, the NFL does not want their biggest game of the year to be marred by a bunch of yellow flags. And we've already seen penalties this year as far as accepted offensive penalties, the lowest 
in, in the last thir- you know, 20, 30 years, as far as that is concerned. Uh, you looked at the last two games, AFC and NFC championship games, NFC championship game, six penalties, seven penalties in the AFC championship game, you know, less penalties called equals to, to more scoring, obviously. So there might be some correlation there, but just the, the human element is you know, you're not, you're not going to mar a game up with a bunch of flags uh, unless it's just both teams are really undisciplined. And I don't see that with either of these teams. I think, you know, the Kansas city is exceptionally well coached and, and Tampa Bay's a bunch, you know, a lot of veterans that I just don't see a bunch of silly mistakes here. So yeah, under 10 and a half penalties is my favorite bet uh, as far as the entire Super Bowl. No, I like this one. And like I said, Kyle Hunter talked about this one on Monday as well. And if you missed that show, I encourage you to go back and check that one out. Lots of good college basketball stuff and also some Super Bowl prop things here. But, you know, what you say is accurate. And, and you know, I mean, you, you think about this in past Super Bowls, and, and I looked, I think three of the last four has have comfortably come in under 10 and a half accepted penalties. It's one of those things where they're not going to call holding. You know, they're, they're just not going to call offensive holding. I don't think yeah. we see OPI called in this game. I don't think picks are going to get called for offensive pass interference or anything like that. Yeah, you probably get a DPI or two just because you've got, you know, Mike Evans is hard to cover. Tyreek Hill is hard to cover. Travis Kelsey is impossible to cover. Maybe you get some DPIs there, you know, but we are also going to have a situation where it's what, 25,000 fans? Yeah. So you're probably not getting false starts. You're probably not getting offsides. You're probably not getting encroachment, neutral zone infractions. Guys aren't going to make stupid mistakes in this game. When you think about the teams that make the Super Bowl, they are not dumb. They are smart, usually very well-coached teams. So they're probably not going to have all of those mistakes that undisciplined teams would have during the regular season or something like that. So, yeah, I think this one makes a lot of sense because, as you said, the league does not want it to be about the officials. The players do not want it to be about the officials. And also, too, and, you know, I mean, my only experience as an official, I did some very high-level, you know, travel hockey showcases and stuff like that as a referee within the last five to ten years. I never wanted the game to be about me as the stakes kept getting higher and higher. The last thing I wanted in a championship game was to make some ticky-tack call that had one bench screaming at me, half the fans screaming at me, all of that. I wanted the players to decide it. And the people that do that at a professional level, they don't want to be a meme. They don't want to be trending on social media. They want the players to decide this thing. They They want people to act like they're not even there. So I think in yep. a game of this magnitude with smart teams like this, smart quarterbacks like this, I completely agree with you. We're not seeing these teams take delay a game penalties. You know, it's just not going to happen. I couldn't agree more. Uh, and, you know, generally speaking, I want to bet under, but I think specifically with these two teams, these two quarterbacks and, and not having that crowd presence that, that, that you brought up uh, like you typically do, I, I think all leads to, you know, the under. Well, we'll see. Uh, I mean, obviously they don't call it – you know, they call it gambling, not winning. So, but, but that is the most exposure I have as far as on a prop bet. I got it. I bet it multiple times. Let's just put it that way. I got one more here for the show and we'll transition over to college basketball after I give you that one and then sort of wrap up what we've had here up to this point this week, Ronald Jones receptions under 0.5. So I don't know why they can't just word this one. Will Ronald Jones catch a pass? I mean, I yeah. don't, it seems easier to do it that way. But the under 0. .5 is plus 130 at BetMGM and William Hill seeing plus 125 out at points bet. 
I don't think Ronald Jones catches a pass in this game. I think it's become very clear that Byron Leftwich trusts Leonard Fournette more as a pass catcher out of the backfield. When Ronald Jones is out there, he is running the football. He is not getting receiving targets. Now, I understand that this is not a high threshold to get over. I mean, if Brady gets pressured on a play action or something like that, he could dump it off to Jones. I lose the bet. So be it. But at plus 130 here, again, just thinking about what this game plan looks like for the Buccaneers and Tom Brady, Brady's going to throw to guys he trusts. I don't think he trusts Ronald Jones to catch the football. He'll take his shots, and we saw him just throw up prayers in the second half of that Packers game, looking for Mike Evans and jump ball situations, stuff like that. I just don't think it's even on his radar to throw a ball to Ronald Jones. So I think plus 130 is a good return for that. Again, obviously, he could catch a pass even by accident, and that winds up being a losing bet. But, you know, again, when you start thinking about how these coordinators want to operate in this game, to me, I think Ronald Jones is out there to run the ball or be a decoy in play action. I don't think he's an option in the passing game. So I like Ronald Jones not to have a catch under 0.5 uh, plus money out there at a variety of U.S. sports books. I like it. That's one that I didn't come across my board until you mentioned it. Have you, have you done a lot of player prop stuff? It seems like you're I, more in tune with the game. Prop. More in game. I'm just not an individual player guy. Uh, I am more in college and, and that where I just know the players more than, than the market. Uh, I'm just, I think a lot of that's probably my biggest weakness in the NFL as we move more to player props and guys that, you know, I kind of lean on those guys that, that do it on a week, week in and week out basis that, as far as the player props. So, uh, you know, one, uh, a lot of mine are very basic. I'll tell you one, I'll give you another one that I bet. And I think, again, it's probably, a little bit more public than sharp, but thinking on how the game's going to play out. I mean, a lot of people are bringing up, you know, the concern for the chiefs is not having both starting offensive tackles. Obviously they've been playing the last five, six games without one and to lose, you know, Fisher, the, the other one in, and this will be their first game without both. Okay. Uh, I mean, if Patrick Mahomes is under a little bit more pressure, I think it's more prone to Patrick Mahomes, maybe escaping the pocket, maybe deciding to run. Obviously, I think he's more prone to running in these types of games where you're not trying to protect him in a regular season game. So I did for the second year in a row after one of the most ugly bad beats in the history of the Super Bowl prop betting when he took like five knees at the end last year's game. I did bet Patrick Mahomes over rushing yards like 19 and a half. Yeah, I think this one makes sense, especially, you know, basically three weeks removed now uh, from the, the head or neck injury and, and the foot should be better here after two weeks yep. time, I would think. And, and like, like you said, you know, it's one of those things too, where I've heard both arguments. I've heard that Tampa Bay is going to blitz more. I've heard Tampa Bay is not going to blitz more and just try to cover better than they did in the first meeting, regardless of which one happens, Mahomes may take off and run. You know, if he's pressured, yeah. he may have no choice. If everybody's covered downfield, he'll take off and run. So, you know, this is one where looking for one play. Right. There there, there are a lot of paths to victory for that prop. You know, it's not dependent on like the Ronald Jones prop to me. It's dependent on my thought process that he's just not used as a receiver for the Mahomes one. He could improvise. It could be a design quarterback run. It could be, you know, running away because there's a blitzer coming at him. There's a lot of different ways that Mahomes could get out there, have some carries. I hope you don't get beaten by the knees like you did last year. But, you know, that's the thing, man. There, there's just so many smart, intelligent, plus EV ways to attack this game that have nothing to do with the side, the total, or the money line. So 
We've given out a lot of props here through Thursday on the show. Uh, you know, I've got all of them written up over at ATS.io for you to check out. I encourage you to do that. Uh, you know, I've got stuff like no missed field goal. I think that's a good bet. Levante David over seven and a half tackles. I think that's a good bet as well. I know he's banged up a little bit, but again, just sort of thinking about how these coordinators will utilize these players. Uh, you know, there's a, a lot of opportunities here in the prop betting market. And one last thing here before we transition over to college basketball is I would encourage our listeners to download the ATS app, which you can find over in the Google Play Store or in the Apple Store. So it works for both Android and iOS devices. It's a bet tracker. It's an odd screen, full article integration from the website. So if you're looking for some last minute insights, whether it's the Super Bowl or something else, it's right there at your fingertips. Very easy app to use, very helpful resource. The opportunity to buy subscriptions to the premium model, $9.99 a week, $19.99 a month. The ATS app is the most powerful betting app you can download for your smartphone. So we encourage you to head over to ATS.io, click on the ATS app page, read more about it, get direct links to download in the Play Store or the Apple Store, or you can just simply search in either one of those stores for the ATS app. With that, let's transition over to the college basketball side of things here. And, uh, you know, I think something that's really interesting, I think you touched on this last week, and it's something I asked Dave Sherapan about on last Friday's show. You know, there's a massive slate for college basketball on Saturday, and the odds makers are worried about all the props. And a lot of betters are worried about all the props too. But, man, if you're a sharp college basketball guy, you're going to have some great opportunities the next few days to kind of pick apart some lines where some of the people in charge may be a little bit asleep at the wheel. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to that. And I, But I will say this, the public will bet a lot of, if they get involved at all on Saturday, it'll be the most public team. So one thing that I will say is, is look to, if you're looking to bet, you know, the public teams, the Blue Bloods, or, or the teams at the top of the polls, whether it be Gonzaga or Baylor, two unbeaten teams, bet them early because the public's going to, you know, get involved and maybe you can find some value, you know, closer to the tip time. They'll bet what they're comfortable with. They'll only pick a, a few teams if they do get involved on in the college basketball slate over the weekend. But yeah, anytime you got a hundred plus games on a slate. Yeah. I, I obviously specialize conferences. We talk about this each and every week, but yeah, you can certainly find some things that the bookmakers miss. It's just, that, that, that's just the fact. Something I think is a really important point for this show. And it's something you brought up to me before we started recording here. And I, I think this is an essential part of the show for our listeners that We've had the COVID pauses this year, and, and we've had some that have been very, very long. We've had some that have been a couple of weeks. And of course, we've had some where teams have gotten COVID and not even paused at all. They've just kind of gone ahead, you know, just taking the players that have it or are close contacts out of the lineup. And we've seen those teams, generally speaking, get blown out in a lot of those games where they've been missing players because of COVID. But specifically with the pauses here, there's something that you've picked up on that maybe the odds makers are not accounting for enough, but the betting market certainly is starting to. They're starting to now, but so far this season, I mean, the key is longer the layoff, the bigger the negative impact it is on that first game back. And if you just blindly are fading teams that have had more than two weeks off, 14 plus days off due to a COVID pause, you're hitting right around 58% this year. And we're talking 100-plus games. So that's not too shabby. That's about as good as it gets if you're, if you're talking sample size of 100-plus games. 
but you know, more pertinent is the longer the layoff. So, you know, generally speaking teams that have had more than, you know, 14 days off and impacts them by about almost two and a half points per game, as far as falling short of expectation. But if you get those instances where it's more than three weeks or it's even four weeks off a month off, those are the teams that are really negatively impacted. And we're seeing, you know, they, they're falling short of expectation by about four points per game. And I bring up four points because that just so happens to be about the line move we've seen in a, a game tonight on, on Thursday, Cincinnati Temple, since he opens a three-point favorite. And now we've seen, you know, Temple go to about a one, one-and-a-half point favorite with Cincinnati being off almost an entire month. They've been off since January the 10th. So, Finally, this week, I think we're starting to see people fading those teams off those long uh, COVID breaks. So if you're going to attack it uh, again, tag it early when it's you versus the bookmaker, because I don't think necessarily, at least at this point in time, the bookmakers aren't accounting for it appropriately. Well, and this is one of those things where, and, and I talk about this a lot with the baseball market when I do my show, the betters box uh, during the baseball season is that the quant crowd, the metrics crowd, the analytics crowd, those are the ones that really have a significant impact in terms of shaping these daily sports markets in the NFL and college football. They'll take their pieces early in the week at lower limits. Then a lot of the other things kind of come into play, but with the daily sports, it is a lot of metrics based handicapping, a lot of analytics, a very quantitative approach instead of a qualitative approach. When you talk about something like a COVID pause, we think we can determine what kind of impact it's going to have. We think we have an idea of how detrimental it's actually going to be. So what happens is situational betters, handicappers, stuff like that, they'll play against those teams coming off of a COVID pause. But I think in a lot of situations, the quant crowd, the crowd that really shapes the market, they want a sample size. They don't want to see 20 games where it had an impact and then make a definitive conclusion about that. They want that sample size that you just talked about, where now we've had over 100 games where we've seen the impact of that COVID pause. So invariably what I think is happening is that now the metrics crowd with an increased sample size is believing in that angle here more is seeing that teams, you know, are underperforming by effective field goal percentage or points per possession or whatever else, whatever stats and metrics they use. So now they've bought in. So now we're going to see a lot more of these significant moves. As you talked about, you know, like that Cincinnati temple game tonight, so, again, I think if, if you're somebody paying attention to these COVID pauses, hit this thing immediately when yep. those overnights open to get your market entry. And then you can always decide later on, eh, you know what, this line's moved five points. Maybe I'll play back on the other side for half or something like that. Absolutely. And l- let me also clear, why aren't the bookmakers necessarily adjusting for it? I mean, again, uh, when, when you got hundreds of games uh, and what 350 teams and Division One college basketball, and now you can get a spread on, on every single one of them uh, on a nightly basis. Uh, it, again, Ken Palm is the market. It's not the end all, the be all, but Ken Palm does not factor in. In fact, it takes in what you've done so far this season uh, with a bunch of metrics. It does not account for COVID pauses when they do their score projections. Uh, so that that's another way you can attack it. And a lot of the bookmakers, you know, aren't going to do the extra leg work. Uh, and and oh, how, how long has this team been off? Has it been, you know, 10 days, 14 days? Well, until they see that team bet against, 
And, and until they, they see the big moves now that we're starting to see in the market, they haven't properly accounted for that. They're going basically off of, you know, the, 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 uh, the chem bomb number. Well, and let's keep in mind, I mean, the risk is low for them anyway, because a lot of this happens with overnight line moves. The limits yeah. aren't all that big, stuff like that. So they'll take that loss by putting up the number that you know they think it should be or that Ken Palm thinks it should be. And if it moves, they just adjust it. You know, maybe the first move on a regular overnight is a point or something like that. Maybe when it's a COVID pause situation, they take a couple hits, boom, they move it two and a half points. Yeah. You know, so... The risk in the exposure isn't that high for them. There's not a ton of liability. So they don't really have a reason to, as you said, adjust the number until they're given a reason. And that reason would be somebody whacking away at a number and you pick up on that pretty quickly and say, okay, that guy Max bet the overnight, waited 60 seconds, played it again. Yeah, time for us to move that thing. You know, so there's also that too, where, you know, especially if it's a team that's, not really on the radar. I mean, Cincinnati is not nearly as good this year as they have been in past years. You talk about some of these teams off of COVID pauses and yeah. really small conferences. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, that's something that, you know, it's going to take them a little bit more time to, to react to. Yeah, th- so, you know, in the future, because, again, your more high-profile teams, it would be very interesting to see when Michigan comes back off their COVID pause to see if they catch it uh, initially uh, or the, the, they adjust it accordingly right off the bat. But one teams in the next two weeks that they're still not going to adjust appropriately, that, you know, that they're not going to worry themselves with a UT Martin or, or some of the added board teams like a Wagner or St. Francis, that they're just, the, the exposure just is never going to be there where uh, unless it's, you know, becomes really drastic where the the entire market is just blindly betting against it. And every single one of these is moving, you know, three, four points every single time it it occurs. You're just, you're going to still be able to take advantage of some of those really smaller conferences. I want to ask you about one more talking point, and then we'll share some picks that we have for tonight's college basketball card. I want to ask revenge situations. Now, I know that this year is very different because we get the immediate revenge, the back-to-backs where a lot of teams are you know, limiting travel and, and all that sort of thing. But I want to talk about traditional revenge situations where you lost to a team earlier on in the year. Now you play them again. Does that factor into your handicapping at all? Is, is that an angle that you pay any attention to? I haven't so much this year. Uh, I, I, I just, it hasn't really factored into my, you know, thought process on a nightly basis. And maybe some of it is, uh, you know, sometimes you get more like intensity out of the crowd. Oh my God, I, we lost our rival in the first game. You know, it's time to, you know, get, get him back sort of saying in the second game, I, I guess maybe that's one reason where it hasn't really, you know, come across, you know, the, you know the, my thought process this year is I, I just don't see the same intensity uh, as far as, you know, or maybe even the same importance uh, of the game, if that makes any sense. No, that does make sense. I think it's a fair question and, you know, something that, I mean, look. Are I, you seeing a trend on it? Because I'm always looking for, I mean, if you're telling me that it's very, you know, positive EV this year, I'll take a look at it. No, I don't, to me, it's, I don't consider revenge for the sake of revenge. You know, I look at the first meeting and find out why a team lost or why a team won. You know, and okay. and if there's an outlier from the first meeting, then, you know, I'll play on or play against it. You know, something like that. I, I don't think that the, you know, the unquantifiable element of revenge is just justification for a bet one way or the other. But looking at that first box score and finding out 
why that game played out the way it did. You know, was one team 11 for 19 from three in the first game? Well, they're probably not going to do it again in the second game unless the team they're playing is terrible at three-point defense. Then maybe I'll shy away from it and say, well, it's a possibility. But if that team allows 32% from three and the other team was 11 for 19 in the first game, probably not happening again. I look at it more in that context of what transpired in the first game, not, oh, look, these two teams are playing each other again. Makes a ton of sense to take that approach. I think so, too. All right, so let's take a look here at some games for tonight. And and you mentioned that Cincinnati Temple game. You did grab Temple plus three. We're not going to talk about that as a pick because now Temple is minus one and a half. But it does underscore and illustrate the importance of being aware of what's going on, getting some line value. Hopefully it wins for you. I know CLV has been kind of tough for some people this season. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. hopefully that one wins for you. But again, by paying attention, by being astute, by knowing what's going on, you grabbed a really good number there on Temple. Uh, game 727-728 is one that's on your radar here between Arizona and Utah. Yeah, so I'm going to take Arizona. Even though the market looks like they're buying a little bit of Utah here, I'm not buying the Utes. And to me, regardless of sport, I'm looking to play honor against outliers and there doesn't get much bigger of an outlier of you know Utah I think is probably a little bit more well regarded in the marketplace because they're coming off a big upset uh, I, I'm here to tell you that that win that they just had uh, out of 2700 college basketball games it was the second least likely win of the entire season per Ken Palm, less than a 1% chance for, for Utah to pull that upset against Colorado in their last game. Meanwhile, on the flip side, I think Arizona's kind of found themselves a little bit. Obviously they've had the FBI investigation hanging over their program the last couple of years, but they've won four of their last five. And I'd much rather play because you're playing in that elevation spot. I'd much rather play uh, on a team like Arizona in the first go around uh, of the back-to-back at Utah, at Colorado, than I am the second game where, where maybe they get some tired legs playing in elevation in, in the second game, you know, a couple nights later. So Arizona, even though the market's a little against me here, Arizona minus one and a half is a bet that I, I that I have made. Well, it makes a lot of sense. And I, I know that you like to play against outliers or, or you know, play on uh, some outliers as well. So I know that's definitely a staple of your handicapping and seems to be a spot that sets up nicely there for that. I'm taking a look at game 737-738 tonight between Austin P and Eastern Kentucky down in the Ohio Valley Conference. Eastern Kentucky, two and a half point favorite. This was three this morning, got bet down to two. Now we're seeing some Eastern Kentucky buyback here uh, around the lunchtime hour, East Coast time. When I look at this game, I see two teams going in opposite directions. I see an Eastern Kentucky team improving. You know, they hired A.W. Hamilton, a great high school coach, and he was an assistant uh, at NC State. Like that hire for them, they're playing at a very, very fast tempo. And since he took over, they've been playing at one of the fastest tempos in college basketball. And the concerning thing about that for Austin P, and we saw this in their first game against Eastern Kentucky, is that they are horrific defensively. 326th in the nation in effective field goal percentage, or yeah, effective field goal percentage defense this year. They are 334th in the nation in two-point percentage defense. So when you talk about a game with a lot of possessions here, Eastern Kentucky offensively should do what they want for the most part in this game. Austin P is not a great offensive team. They're not bad, but they're not that good. So they have to get out of their element here, play a high-possession game, score a lot of points, and find a way to try and get some measure of stops here in this one. 
I just don't really see that being the case. Eastern Kentucky forces a lot of turnovers. They take great care of the basketball. And when you talk about a team forcing turnovers, getting extra possessions, all of that, it makes it hard for the other team to compete in a game like that. So this line did move against me a little bit here this morning, but I like Eastern Kentucky minus two and a half in that OVC matchup. And I know you've got one more game that's on your radar here for tonight. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm just, again, going to sound kind of, you know, I wouldn't say very sharp here, but I'm, I'm saying Minnesota who has probably arguably the biggest home away dichotomy of any team in the country this year. And I know you're saying, well, there's not, you know, fans in most of these games. So, you know, what do you attribute it to? Uh, I don't have the clear cut answer, but what I have seen now that we got a, a large sample size is continually Minnesota great at home, horrific on the road. I mean, zero and five against the spread on the road this year and falling short uh, with a short sample size. I want to look at margin then. And when you're falling short of expectation by 12 points per game on the road, that that's saying something. And, you know, is that being, a, you know, appropriately accounted for? I think some of it is Minnesota overperforms so much at home that they sometimes get overpriced on the road. I saw that uh, in a Michigan game or earlier this year. If you just look at those two results, um, you know, Minnesota, Michigan at home for Minnesota and then on the road. I mean, that explains that quite a bit. But I, to me, the more value side here is not necessarily fading Minnesota but it's more of a playing on a Rutgers team that I think has gotten theirself their act together here with three straight wins and covers. They went through a really dry spat uh, patch there uh, playing a lot of good teams. I mean, the big 10 is a really, there's not a lot of layups in this conference this year. And, you know, looking at, you know, Rutgers, they dealt with some injuries, had a lot of different lineups. This team was expected to be an NCAA tournament team. They were last year before the tournament got canceled because of COVID. The, the expectation was going to be the same this year. And they just, you know, meandered their way through a really tough part of their schedule. Now that they've overcome that, I think they're playing their best ball this season. I'm going to take Rutgers and lay the five, five and a half. Yeah, seen a lot of five and a half out there in the marketplace now. But, you know, Minnesota, I mean, it, it's not even just, a results thing now it's got to become a mental thing when you're that bad on the road and we kind of saw that was it maybe three or four years ago with Maryland where they were just great at home and just atrocious on the road it becomes a mental thing too and you know you're you're sort of beaten before you even show up on the floor so I think that's definitely an angle to keep a close eye on there not just with Minnesota and Rutgers tonight but also in future games for Minnesota in the Big Ten tournament for Minnesota things of that sort where you know just for whatever reason not a good team playing away from home. We got a good team over at ATS.io. We got a lot of great content over there from our talented cast of writers. We got sportsbook reviews for you to check out. Great sign-up bonuses available over there as well. So head on over to ATS.io for more college basketball insights and, of course, a whole lot more. Brad Powers, professional better and handicapper from BradPowersSports.com, our regular Thursday guest here on ATS Radio. What's going on over at the website right now, brother? Yeah, college hoops each and every day. If you want the VIP updates, we're having a really good week. And after, you know, first tough week, I think the last month we're positive EV, and that's all you can expect to, to, to be in this uh, industry. If you want the daily VIP updates with write-ups on all the picks and my top picks all the way through the championship game, 79 bucks for the rest of the season. That's daily email updates. Uh, you can check it out at bradpowersports.com. And as always, make sure you follow Brad on Twitter at Brad Powers and the number seven. 
Brad, appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much for joining me. Good luck with all the plates you've got spinning here for the Super Bowl, and we'll talk to you again next week. All right, sounds good, man. There you go. There's Brad Powers. Once again, professional better and handicapper over at bradpowersports.com, at Brad Powers and the number seven on Twitter. Coming up on our Friday edition of ATS Radio, I don't know yet. Still waiting to nail down a guest for the last show of the week. Add some more Super Bowl prop stuff. Talk about some of the other things that are happening out there in the betting markets. Not sure who it'll be, but we will have a show to round out this first week of February and this Super Bowl week here on the podcast. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow.